this is Maureen Milliken. And this is Rebecca Milliken, and this is Crime and Stuff. It's a podcast. You would do if you had nothing better to do. We're at my house today. We are. Think Tank may be a thing of the past, and it's actually related to today's episode. I Ooh, killed somebody there, and they're buried killed. in the She, she no, wanted to do an episode about herself, so she murdered <laughs> yeah. somebody. Before we get going with today's episode, we have some updates. Yes. First one is Skakel. The Kennedy cousin. The Kennedy cousin, who was convicted, and it's been a long on and off court battle over the years. I won't go into all the ins and outs. Convicted of killing Martha Moxley when he was 15. That's one of our most popular episodes. In 1975, yes. I can't remember what episode number it is, but you can find it on our list. The Connecticut Supreme Court ruled that his lawyer, Michael Mickey Sherman, who, who had his head up his ass basically, botched his defense. So he gets another, yet another new trial. And if you go backwards, he was convicted... His conviction was overturned in 2016. It was reinstated, and it's gone back and forth. Martha Moxley's mother, who's 86 now, says she would just like to see him in jail. And he's got the Kennedy family, Bobby Jr., mostly advocating for him, including having written a book for him. Again, you can go back and listen to the episode. I'm going to say it. You're going to say what? The episode. I'd just like to once again say, if he were poor or black, or some other minority, he would have been, his ass would have been thrown in prison a long time ago, and that's where it would have stayed. It was episode 17. Thank you. No, I was just going to say, the Supreme Court ruled that because he's rich and white and he's related to the Kennedys, he really shouldn't be going to jail. He really shouldn't be. And it happened in a very privileged, one of the richest communities in the United States, rich, white, gated community, and yet one of their things is the old... Um, a couple black guys did it. So Ridiculous. anyway, but you can listen to episode seventeen if you want to hear more, or Google it. But I more recommend listening to it. And the Turpins, who were episode <laughs> a recent episode, they've right. been charged with a number of things: child endangerment, torture. He's facing one count of lewd of basically molesting some kid. These are the parents of the 13 kids who had the so-called House of Horrors. But he's also been charged with eight counts of perjury for misrepresenting the private school that he claimed to their House of Horrors. That was episode 46. And that was episode 46. Well, maybe it was a school teaching them not to eat and be chained up or or, and sleep at night. But you can listen to that episode if you want to know more. God, those poor people. They must be so... I mean, they're not kids, but the children of these people... That are now adults must be so fucking messed up. Yeah, but they're doing okay I by know. all accounts. Anyway, you had an update. Oh, yes, I do have an update. This update has to do with episode 29, which was about Annie Dukin, who was the chemist in Boston. She fucked up. All, she fucked her. She, 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 she misrepresented results of. Yes. Basically, in favor of the the prosecution. This isn't about her, but in that episode, I mentioned another one in Western Massachusetts who she was doing the same thing, but for a different reason because she was using all the drugs. (laughs) Her name was Sonia Farrick. This was like last week in the Boston Globe. Her case happened in 2013, so around the same time as Annie Duke, a little after Annie Dukin, I think. So the Massachusetts Supreme Court is hearing arguments they might dismiss 11,000 drug cases. Jesus Christ. because Because of her taking the drugs herself and then messing around with the, the results. Again, Matt Siegel, who's the legal director for the American Civil Liberties 
Civil, the American Civil Liberties <laughs> Union of Massachusetts says this is the most significant record of harm as a consequence of prosecutorial misconduct because what happened was not only did she fuck around with the lab results, but the prosecutors didn't really pursue the case very much against no. Ms. Farrakh. Apparently the court found a problematic, quote, lack of curiosity about the scope of Farrakh's <laughs> crimes and suggested prosecutors put blinders on despite having evidence that Farrakh used drugs for more than a year prior to her arrest. So two state prosecutors, Anne Kazmarek and Chris Foster, both of whom now work in other government agencies, hid the evidence, and when defense attorneys unearthed it, they failed to flag the evidence for courts, Mm. including the Supreme Court. In retrospect, we could have done things better. (laughs) Assistant Attorney General Thomas Bosian conceded. So... They want to dismiss, this is in Amherst, Massachusetts, all the cases back to June 2012 until she was arrested, so about a year worth, which was 11,000. She claims she only started taking from co-worker samples in the summer of 2012. That's what, but how do they know she's telling the truth? I mean. Drug users lie. And anyway, it doesn't matter what she only did or didn't do. She compromised. So they're thinking. So they're in the process of hearing that case. We'll see what happens. I mean, I know it's bad when people are going like people. Although a lot of them have probably served their time already anyway. But to vacate convictions and stuff. But that's what happens when right. people fuck around. The justice system has to work the way it's supposed to. And work. And you can't just say, "Well, they deserved right. to to be you know in trouble because they did it. They probably did it. You right. have to prove it. That's so. true. And when someone's screwing around with evidence and prosecutors, the reason they kind of wanted to put blinders on, as as they said, or if they kind of didn't want to know, is because they knew that the would be a consequence. Right. That all these cases they tried yes. would would have been and wasted efforts. it was easier efforts. just... To, and also they were getting convictions. Yeah. Because people want to convict drug users and drug... You know, the so. war on drugs would have wasted time. Anyway, so that was my update. Oh. And do you have... You don't have any more? No. So should I get into the episode? Oh, yes. This yes. is a very interesting one. Yeah. Today. Yeah. And I was kind of reluctant to do it, and you'll see why. But I figure, A, it's for the greater good, and B, I didn't have to spend a lot of time doing research. Because she's still working on her book. It's almost done, though, right? Almost. It's getting there. Okay. It's a slow process when you have to work for a living. I wouldn't know. I don't work. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So, but today our episode is a little different from our usual murder and mayhem, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it, particularly those of you who think that I think I'm smarter than everybody else and that I need to be brought down a few times. Don't pegs. worry. And hey, you know, if you think that, you're not the first one, okay? Just saying. Nobody is saying anything. You seem to have a chip on your shoulders. I do have a chip on my shoulder. You seem to be projecting a little bit. Well, yes. Anyway, I bet you think you'd never fall for a scam, right? Yeah. Right? Neither did I. But I did. And now I'm nearly $2,000 poor. And you're not going to marry that prince from Nigeria. That, <laughs> yeah. Well, the Lovelorn scam, actually, is one I wouldn't fall for. Oh, okay. And we'll, we'll get to that. But 
But I'm now nearly $2,000 poorer for it. Not only the initial $1,650 for the scam, but also bounce check fees and <gasps> other things. Oh. And let's just say before I get into it that the default is I was a moron. We'll talk more about that later. And I know people will be aghast that I didn't see all the red flags. But I'm going to tell it in a straightforward way because if it can happen to me, it can happen to you. And maybe not this one. And you'll listen and say, I would never fall for that. But there's a, a bigger picture thing. And as there always is with me. But first, here's what happened. Okay. Okay. A couple months ago, we had a company-wide staff meeting at my work. A few days later, we were asked to fill out a survey for it on SurveyMonkey. Now, I'm not a person who does a lot of Facebook quizzes and surveys or looks for surveys to fill out, and I try to keep the amount of information I put online to a minimum. I know a lot of surveys, like on Facebook, are phishing and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And I also just plain don't have the time to screw around on the Internet. But when I finished that survey, one about my shopping habits popped up. And again, this was a survey I was at. We were all asked to do at work. We got an email with a link to it and everything about our yearly meeting. And like many surveys on SurveyMonkey, there was a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. You know how it rolls the little wheel at the end. So I figured, why not? It was about my shopping habits, and I filled it out, and I'm about 99% positive. I didn't reveal any really significant information about, you know, like my social security number. I don't have a credit card, so I didn't have anything like that, and I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't put things like that. It was just a general survey. At the end, it asked me if I'd like to apply to be a secret shopper. And I thought, sure, although the explanation of how it worked and what you got for doing it didn't seem clear. And I just want to say, since this, is, this, since this happened, too, I've read a lot of judgy stuff online about people who fall for scams are greedy. It seems, though, most of what I've read, the people who fall for them, a lot of them are people with no money who yeah, desperately they need, need money. it. They need and money. And I don't equate that with greed. But the reason I did it, the reason I said yes, was it wasn't about the money at all. It wasn't really clear on the money, and I even had some impression that you'd get a gift card or something. And But I thought it would be interesting to be a secret shopper, like kind of like being a spy or something. Mm-hmm. And I, ju- I know, Sorry. I know. We can talk more about it. We'll talk about it. And later. I've worked in retail, not as much as you have. And, you know, it's always the shadowy thing in the background, the secret shoppers, but it's never really clear on how it really works or who they are. And I just thought it would be a gas to do it. And it'd be interesting, and if I made some money or got a gift card, and and again, I don't know why I thought that's what the payment would be, but it was unclear, you know, and then I basically forgot about it. A few weeks later, I got a text that said I'd been accepted, and did I still want to do it? And I replied, yes. I thought, whatever, yeah. And it still wasn't clear. There wasn't much information about it. I wondered if I had gotten an email or something that I'd missed. I get a lot of email. No. And Gmail. Put into spam. Right. And Gmail helpfully sorts like into updates and promotions and stuff. And I don't look at a lot of my email. So, and I'll go into more later why some of the things that should have been red flags weren't. But I want to say, so you're not all distracted by the whole texting thing and how that should have been one. Last year, my short stint of working for a large national retailer, much of the communication was done by text. Our store had one phone number, which rang incessantly. Like if you wanted to call in sick or something, the best way to get a hold of your supervisor was to text them. I was never given an email for anyone who supervised me or higher up. I was never given any kind of in-house phone number or way to contact people. 
the only contact I had with supervisors was by texting their personal numbers. And I know this wasn't a supervisor or anything, but I hadn't worked in retail for a long time. And I'm like, okay, this is how people are communicating now. I thought when I worked for this retailer, it was unprofessional and inefficient. But I thought, okay, this is how communication is done. Last time I worked in retail, there wasn't even email. Mm-hmm. So people actually talked on the phone <laughs> or in any case, I got a text back saying I'd be getting a packet in the mail. And I said, okay. And I think they asked me to text my mailing address. They must have, which I did. And again, I forgot all about it. The packet didn't come immediately like it said it was gonna. It took a few weeks, two or three weeks. And it came on April 23rd in a U.S. post office priority mail envelope. I never looked at the date on the mailing label until after, but it said April 12th. Now, this was a three-day priority envelope, and I got it 11 days after. So, obviously, red flag, but I didn't look at the date on the label. The return address, again, calm down. I'll tell you later where my head was at on this, but the return address said James Farrell, Sitco Lumber Company, 3901 Corporate, number 300, Lancaster, Texas, with a zip code. And it was the zip code and then the four digit. And I did notice the return address, and I thought it was odd. And again, more about that later. In the envelope was a letter with a big Walmart logo on top and a cashier's check from an Alaska bank for $1,650. And yes, I did notice the envelope was from Texas and the check was from Alaska. But again, banking is international. I had a credit card from a California credit union for years. And I'll read you what the letter said. Dear participant, congratulations. You have been pre-qualified to take part in the Community Research Secret Shopper Program. And they have a little trademark thing after Community oh, Research. Thank you. Nice. You'll be evaluating Walmart store services around your area. The enclosed check is ready for you to deposit into your bank account. Upon receiving, the fund will be available in your account within 24 hours. Once fund is ready, you will go to Walmart and proceed with the evaluation. Please note that $300 is compensation for your participation in this consumer evaluation. Persons who do not complete the survey will be excluded from future evaluations. And then it goes down, and I won't read everything, but it goes down and tells you what to do. Basically, what you do is you go in to the Walmart and buy something for $50 or less. And you make note of all these things they ask you to make note of. You take a photo of the receipt. um, And then what they want you to do is go in and buy three gift cards, one for $500 and two more for $400. And again, make note of all the things. Scratch off the back of the gift cards. Send them photos of the front and back of the gift cards of your receipt. And also make note of all these things that you're supposed to answer in their survey. And I'm sure some people right now are already freaking out. And I'll get to that too. And they give you a number to text all that to. And again, I thought the texting was weird. But I thought, okay, that's just as efficient as emailing. And this is 2018. And it says, no, you are not to make either cashier aware that you are carrying out an evaluation. Make sure you execute this assignment in a timely manner, no later than two days after you receive the check and instruction letter. You are to buy Walmart gift card and Walmart purchase at same Walmart store. Important, we need your total cooperation, so please be sure you confirm your package has been delivered and your check has been deposited by sending a confirmation text message received and processed to the above phone number. You must also send confirmation of completed survey and transactions via text. 
Thank you for participating in our marketing evaluation. You are making a difference in tomorrow's economy. Sincerely, Task Manager, Mr. Daniel Bennington. Hmm. And the Mr. should have thrown me off, if nothing else. And there's a little logo, Community Research, Inc. Um, there's the Walmart logo. Yeah. It all looks a little amateurish. But again, and I'll go into it more later, I was... And so I'm not many making, things are later. Yes, I know. Well, because there's going to be, after I get all through this, I'm going to talk about wh- why I think I fell for it. So many things I've dealt with in retail the past couple of years, both working and dealing with them as a customer, have been unprofessional. And, I mean, letters used to be typed on letterhead neatly. Now communication is like a lot of the things in that letter, poor grammar, poor punctuation. I've seen so much of it on an official level. I have too. Right. So anyway, so I texted Becky a photo of the letter, but not to ask, hey, do you think this is a scam? But I couldn't figure out their instructions for the gift cards. Mm -hmm. It didn't make sense. And they were referencing wire transfer. And I, they were referencing, and you can talk when we get to that part later about your, and I'm not, definitely not saying she should have seen this as a red flag. And I'll talk more about why, why I don't think she should have later too but my issue was I couldn't understand what they were asking me to do and how me buying gift cards would detect fraud because there was a thing about detecting fraud with wire transfers and stuff but I wasn't getting buying wire transfers and it's possible the thought it was a scam may have crossed my mind in a very superficial way but I'm not that familiar with gift cards if I were on top of my game a little more about later I would have googled but again my thing was more I didn't understand how exactly they wanted me to do it or why they did. In any case, I did what the letter asked. Yes, I did. First, when I got it, I had gotten home from work. I remember it was dark out when I took the envelope out of my mailbox or just getting dark. It was around 7 on a Tuesday night. I was going out of town very early Friday morning. So if I was going to do the thing in the time frame given, I had to get the check into the bank. So I drove to the nearest ATM. I live in a rural town that has no banks. So the nearest ATM where I could make a deposit for my bank was probably a 15-minute drive in Augusta. Deposited it. Now, I've had my bank, my ATM, refuse checks. And this maybe this is my ignorance. Well, not maybe. This is my ignorance cropping up. There's a couple times I've tried to deposit checks that were like cashier's checks or strange payroll checks that the ATM refused And I assume because it didn't recognize them as being official checks. So when the ATM accepted this check, I figured it was an okay check. And I'm not, again, making excuses. I'm just explaining how my mind was working. There were at least two occasions in the past, I'd say year and a half, where my bank's ATM has not taken a check. Hmm. And I've had to go into the bank and give it to them. And both of them were weird. One was a payroll check that was didn't look like other checks and I think one was a cashier's check from my tenant or something but the money was immediately available in my account and so the next day I went in to buy the $50 thing I needed a piece of luggage for the trip I was going away on the weekend so I said okay great I can get that and I even felt a little guilty 
I didn't want to get people in trouble who I didn't. So I like looked at the cashiers and decided which one nah. ones I would most want if they were going to get in trouble for not passing their secret shopper test. You know, now the night before I'd gone in to because I had to get some stuff and I figured I'd kind of scope things out and do a test run because that's how much I was into being a secret <laughs> shopper. My cashier, a guy, was talking to another cashier the whole time he was waiting on me at times, stopping with my order. And I just had like a few cans of cat food and maybe a bag of Reese cups because I'm into them. Maybe when I, it was a very small order and he would stop talk to this woman it was a work-related thing where he was trying to explain something how to do he must have been a manager and she was and they were going on some tangents it took forever for him to ring me in and i think boy i wish this was my secret <laughs> trip he barely paid attention to what he was doing and i probably could have just taken my stuff and walked out and he wouldn't have even noticed so anyway i needed a suitcase for my upcoming trip they had some ones with little wheels and stuff for 44.99 so i bought that the cashier was very good by the way she even checked all the pockets like she was supposed to. I'd unzip some of them to make it easier for her. And, um, cause that's how I roll. Yeah. And I took all the, note of all the things I was supposed to, even jotting notes when I got on my car <laughs> down on the letter they sent me, cause I was such a good little secret shopper. And then a few hours later, when I had time, I went back and I did the gift card thing. And after I bought the three gift cards, and I, the young woman who waited on me at the customer service desk, Brittany, was very nice, and I kind of faked it and said, yeah, I'm getting one for graduation and two for birthdays or whatever, thinking almost that she would think I was a secret shopper because I was buying three large gift cards. But I got into my car, I scratched off the backs, I took the photos, I texted, I was so excited that I had done everything. And then I'm like, but where's the survey? And I, again, I'd been concerned. Maybe I hadn't seen an email or I got in a text that I thought was a spam text and deleted. So I asked, you know, hey, where's the survey? And they said, I'd be getting it shortly. They texted it to me and it asked things, but different things from what the letter had said to look out for, which I thought, again, was a little odd. First of all, by now the damage was done. I didn't, you know. I'd yeah, seen, little did I you know. I just thought it was, an, um, I just, my thought at the time was, it was just not a well-run, it was unprofessional, and I've dealt with so much unprofessionalism over the years, more, I would say, in the past decade than before, in retail and in places I've worked and stuff that I just thought it was, what a piss-poor way to do these surveys. And I added the stuff they didn't ask about, and they're like, great job! They told me what a great job I did and asked me if I'd be available for more <laughs> right away. Yeah, like, um, like within the next hour. <laughs> and I said I was going out of town for the weekend, but would be glad to do another one when I got back. And they said, we'll let you know. You'll hear from us next week. Haha. <laughs> so it's funny. They even had that little bit of follow-up. And so that was a Wednesday. Now, Thursday, I was going out of town at 5 a.m. Friday. Uh, I was off from my full-time job on Thursday, but I had a shitload of work to do for my part-time job and things to get ready for my trip. I was very, very busy. Both of my jobs I enjoy a lot. One, I'm a reporter, and the other one, I do part-time copy editing for a bunch of little monthly newspapers. But they're both the types of situations where if I'm off, I basically had to do a lot of extra work because I was going to be gone for the weekend. I was off my full-time job Thursday, Friday, and Monday, which meant all my articles and stuff that were due the next week I had to get done. And I'm not complaining. I'm just explaining why I was incredibly busy. So 
In any case, because I did what I do when I'm writing and other things, I took my cell phone and put it in a drawer so I wouldn't even hear a buzz when people called or texted me. I wasn't expecting any calls from work. And so I, when my bank called me a little after 9 a.m., I was totally unaware of it. I noticed it a little after 5, and by then they were closed. Ugh. And I listened. My bank doesn't normally call me. I listened to the voicemail. It was a very terse, serious-sounding woman, Teresa, who didn't tell me what the problem was, but told me to call immediately. And I don't have a very complicated banking life. I have a checking account, a savings account. My mortgage is with someone else. And all of a sudden, boom, it was like a veil was lifted. And I said, and Becky can attest to me texting her, and I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. That was a scam. Oh, shit. And here it is, Thursday night at 5 o'clock, 12 hours I'm supposed to be driving from Maine down to Bethesda, Maryland for the weekend. I'm on a very thin margin money-wise because I was unemployed for a year and a half. And I texted Becky, this was a scam. And I knew it. And I did that even before I think I checked my bank account. I logged onto my bank account and I was minus about $1,200. And immediately looked up Googled Walmart secret shopper scam, and of course, Ugh. you don't even have to look to find it. And so, yes, I was scammed. Now, I know everyone's saying, what a fucking moron. And yes, I guess I was. But I want to talk a little bit about why, and I know this, what happened is unique to me. I mean, people fall for different things in different ways. I'm not assuming everybody thinks the way I do or their head works the way mine does or their lives are like mine or they know or don't know the things I know or don't know. So when you listen to this, listen to it in a more general way. Maybe these specific things wouldn't happen to you, but in general. Because I had to figure out how did I not see this. Keep in mind, I'm a journalist. I've been one for 35 years. So not only does that mean... It's in my DNA to question things and be cynical and not believe stuff. But also, I'm probably more familiar with stories about people being scammed and stuff than a lot of people because we put them in the paper. And you're on lookout for people who are being dishonest. And I'm also well-educated. I have a you know bachelor's degree from a fairly good college. I'm well-read. I read several newspapers. You know all that stuff. You know it all. But here's the pitfalls for me when I went through and tried to figure out how this happened to me. And again, none of this is an excuse. I don't blame anyone but myself. I want to make that clear. I'm not saying that it was impossible to see it was a scam. I'm just saying here's what was going on that I think made me not question it. First of all, Survey Monkey. I had to take a survey for work. Then the other survey popped up. I didn't solicit the scam. It didn't come out of thin air. It wasn't a phone call or text that came from nowhere or an email. So I think part of my brain clicked in that it was something legitimate because it seemed however little thought I gave it at the time to come out of something legitimate. Mm -hmm. Um, So my guard was already down. I had been asked by my very legitimate workplace to take a survey on SurveyMonkey. And I know SurveyMonkey isn't this, you know, academically credited, (laughs) you know, it's basically like Wikipedia for surveys or whatever. But But my guard was already down. I was at work. I would have laughed it off or ignored it if it had just come out of the blue. Oh, you've been picked to be a secret shopper. I'd be like, yeah, fucking right. You know, I don't answer phone calls from numbers I don't know. I don't, I, I delete 
when I do look at my email, tons of email. I don't even listen to voicemails from numbers I don't know. Yeah. For all I know, some giant publisher or Hollywood producer wants to make my books into a movie, and I'll never know that. They can email me. So when I got the text a few weeks after that survey monkey thing asking if I still wanted to do it, and I remembered filling the thing out but not all the specifics, it was already in the channel of my brain of something legitimate. I didn't give it a lot of thought, but it just was already kind of on this path. And, you know, I don't think the thought it was a scam even occurred to me. And when the package finally came, which should have set some red flares off that Tuesday night, I was in the middle of a very, very busy week. I had multiple articles to complete for my job. I was trying to finish my book, which, as you heard, still isn't done. Maybe by the time this airs, my publisher will have the draft. You know, I didn't have one spare minute. I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. And um, when I took that envelope out of my mailbox at about 7 on Tuesday night... And I I was going to be leaving for Maryland at 5 a.m. Friday, and I had all these things to do. And so when I glanced at the return address, and I thought it was odd, it was a lumber company in Texas, but then I thought, and I know how stupid this is, but I just wasn't thinking. I thought, secret shopper. And obviously they should have had the address of whatever company they claimed they were, but it's just one of those things that went into my head, it went out, I should have wondered about it more, and I didn't. The check itself didn't raise red flags, even though it was from Alaska, because banking is so global now, and it just didn't, and I wasn't thinking scam. And when I read the letter, I thought, they can't possibly be paying me $300 to do this. And I admit, I felt a little tinge of unease, but I figured it was Walmart, and they've got tons tons of money, and maybe it's worth it to them to get somebody who can do this for them to lose less. And I also thought they're, they're really just sending people checks for this amount of money and not being afraid they're going to get ripped off because here's this cashier check for 1650 And what I couldn't figure out, part of me was like, and I'm not, I wasn't seriously thinking maybe this is a scam or I would have looked it up on the internet, but I'm like, how? I couldn't figure out how me buying gift cards would help them determine if there was fraud in their customer service department, but then there was a lot I don't know about how that works. The other thing was, I couldn't figure out how me buying gift cards would make anyone else money. I couldn't figure out how a scam would work to do that. When I couldn't figure out the end, I remember saying, as far as how it helps Walmart, I remember thinking, well, that's not my problem. The secret shoppers do stuff and they want to know. And about the gift cards, I rarely buy them for people. And when I do, I don't pay a lot of attention. I buy them usually at the grocery store at Hannaford. Um, I either buy Hannaford ones and they sell other ones, Mm -hmm. but Uh, I give them to the person and forget about them. I rarely get them as gifts. I think people know I'm not necessarily a big... Like, I just got a nice gas one at work for pure appreciation. I appreciate that. And a Dunkin' Donuts one for my Mm -hmm. birthday. But I rarely get them as gifts from family members or anybody. And I thought... Now, people who know differently can laugh. I thought that scratching the back off, where then you see a number, was what the clerks did once you used it to keep them from being used again. And I asked God, that's what I thought. And if I'd known for a minute that was a security pin that people use for shopping online, I think I would have been like, holy shit, that was a close call. I was almost scammed and not done it. And I'm not blaming anyone in the world for not knowing that. But it's just something I didn't know. 
because I don't use gift cards. So it didn't raise a red flag. In fact, I thought the reason they wanted me to scratch it off and send them the photo of the back was to prove that I wasn't then going to go use the gift card to buy something. Mm -hmm. Because I thought, and I don't know why I thought that, but I thought, okay, the clerk scratches the back off when you use the gift card. Well, you asked me in a text, and... And I honestly didn't yeah, recognize I don't even it remember. as a scam, yeah. but I thought, well, they want to have the the pin because at this time I, I was thinking that the check had cleared and whatever. Yeah, that's you know. what I thought too. So I said, well, they want the pin so you don't so they'll have the money, right? Because otherwise you would have all right. these, all these right. Cards. I thought the scratching off the back was to keep me from spending the gift cards myself. The texting, I kind of explained. I hadn't worked in retail for more than 30 years. When I got back in, I was appalled at how unprofessional a lot of things were that were done in a national retail chain. Some of it was even laughable, and I was just glad it was a temporary situation for me or it would have been really frustrating. And I didn't really think a lot about it. I just figured, okay, they text now. The poorly written letter, some of which was obvious English as a second language, now, another part-time job I had for a hellish 19 months several years ago was an, an editor for an online editing company. And I would say, as an aside, it's not a scam, but don't, don't do it because you make no money, it's thankless, and you just lose <laughs> all the time. But anyway, a lot of the editing we did was English as a second language, and there are some mistakes that are very common, and I recognize that in the letter. But then again, I thought outsourcing. Yeah, you never know. Pe- yeah. Or people who just can't write proper English. And I know I sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but I'm lucky enough to work for people who write for a living. So most of the correspondence and the professional correspondence that goes to the outside world is professionally done. But the correspondence I get from non-scam people, businesses, and other entities is so poorly I written. Some, I mean, and, I get bad corporate emails all the time. Right. That that you don't, that it's not, you know, maybe it should be a red flag, but if every time I saw poorly written English that was supposed to be professional was a red flag, I'd be, every there'd be so many red flags. Yeah, I know. And also, you know, the letter's amateurish looking. I mean, when you look at it, it's really cheap and crappy looking, but same thing. I know now it's a red flag, but yeah. I see a lot of things that are cheap and crappy looking. Yeah, I know. You never you know. know. I have to say, I didn't spend a lot of time wondering if it was a scam. Again, when I asked Becky about it, it was more, I don't really understand what they want me to do or how this helps them. There was a little voice in the back of my head, but not loud enough, obviously. And for me, obviously, I would have said something. But also, well, I'll say, oh, I just want to say that I, I, people might be saying, well, you, you know, Rebecca's worked in retail for, you know, most of her life for big boxes that use secret shoppers, which, yes, we do. But it's an outside company that does it. I am on the other side of it. I right. don't know. Right. All I know is when they've given me bad reviews and I've right. heard about it. Right. So in I don't fact, know anything about how it even works. Even my four months working in retail last year, it's the kind of thing where everybody's like, ooh, watch out for secret yes. shoppers, blah, blah, blah. But it's this big, mysterious... Well, because it's an outside company. Right. So they could be small companies that do and, it. And then you'd hear you hear stories. Somebody would say, I got in trouble because a secret shopper heard me say this or saw mm-hmm. me do this, blah, blah, blah. You always have to be on your guard. And so it's more the shadow mystery I do thing. know that some companies don't use them anymore because they don't feel it's worth the money, which I would say it isn't. Right. And I found since then, 
there were are legitimate companies that hire secret shoppers, but they don't do it through SurveyMonkey. So they and they don't text you asking you to do it. You have to fill it out an application. You have to be trained in all this stuff, which I should have known. But the two biggest elements I think that kept me from seeing the fact that it was a scam were that it seemed to have come from a legitimate place as much as I thought about it and the fact that I didn't know how gift cards worked. But I think in a normal week, I still would have Googled it and one of the red flags would have hit. And I'm not making, this is again not an excuse or anything, but it's no secret to longtime listeners that I have ADHD. It's a real thing. I think a lot of people don't understand it or understand how it works. And I'm not saying everybody with ADHD will fall for scams. People who don't have it don't have to worry. Everybody's brain works differently. And basically this is just an explanation for why my brain works the way it does. But when I have a lot going on and it's all crammed into my brain, I have an issue. And this is something I figured out for myself. No doctor or book ever told me, but once I it had been diagnosed with this eight years ago, I started trying to figure out what happens and how to avoid, I guess I never figured out how to avoid a scam, <laughs> but how to do things differently to function, you know, more efficiently. And one of the issues is when there are, when I have a lot going on, especially things that take up a lot of my brain energy I can miss really, really obvious, obvious things. And, you know, I was trying to finish my book, which even when I'm not actually working on it, when I'm immersed in it is just always going on in my head. And one thing about ADHD, I think a lot of people don't understand is it's not like, oh, there's a squirrel. Oh, I see this. Oh, and you're just constantly distracted. There's also hyper-focus. When you're really interested in something or really into something, you can't make your brain stop thinking so you about like it. A, almost like a tunnel vision or... Yeah, it's like you it's just, just focus want on other to things do... Just, yeah. That's why a lot of people with it are very creative people. A lot of artists and people who do creative things for a living, they can totally... They're so into the thing they want to do. And it's hard to... It's, it's like almost the opposite of being distracted. You're so into this thing that everything else is a distraction you know it's like if I'm thinking about my book and I have things I like to do things like paint a room or mow the lawn or something where I can just do some mindless physical thing that kind of helps things go in my brain what I can't do is do my job either of my jobs and so when I'm doing them I kind of have to turn it off so I was trying to get my book done I had a lot to do for both of the jobs that also take brain power. But it's like, just picture like cramming all this stuff into a box and you can't fit anything more into that box. And then you could have like, uh, you know, a, a bag of gold coins that are worth a billion dollars and they can't fit in that box so you don't even notice them. And I know that's a bad analogy, but it's, <laughs> but it was like just skating over the top of my brain. The whole thing was, yeah. and I know, I, I got to stop saying this, I know people just don't get how that could happen, but it was just, yeah, so I can look in an envelope that's supposed to be from this company and it has the return address of a lumber company in Texas. And even though I'm a fairly intelligent person who's, well, you know, a critical thinker and everything, maybe there's a little part of my brain saying that's odd, but it doesn't connect with the part of my brain that says that's so odd 
you need to yeah. do something about it. It just wasn't computing. It's similar to, and this may also not make sense to people when I, now that I think of trying to explain it, but my previous newspaper job, I, I had a lot of things to do, a lot going on. And it's not like I don't want any surprises, but if someone says something or asks a question in a way that's different from how I would normally communicate... It's like the questions in a foreign language. It's not just like, oh, I don't get what you're saying, repeat it. It's like my whole brain stops. I can't tell you how many times I would sit there looking at my boss, slack-jawed, <laughs> trying to figure out what the sentence meant, and he'd get all impatient and go on to something else or think I was being an asshole because I wasn't answering him. Even things like that, my if I had all sorts of stuff going on, it was just a... A total. That's how I can understand dyslexia. I don't have it, but people look at a written sentence and say, how can someone who knows how to read not make sense of that sentence? I can hear something, and I understand the words, but I have to get my head out of yeah. where it is and go to wherever this sentence wants me to go. Well, you have to, yeah, you have to refocus or something. And, and, yeah, and, you have to be like, yes. wait a minute, I have to stop and clear it and then yes. refocus. Yeah. And it's a physical thing mm -hmm. to do. And in the, this space of three days, and I'm probably going on about more about this aspect than I want to, but I just want people to understand that my brain was so full of, of trying to get my book done, trying to do my work and the stuff I had to do for this Getting big mystery for writers trip. conference yeah, and the conference. trip yeah. I was going on for the weekend that I just was, I just taking it at face value. Yeah. And it may sound weird. It feels weird. Well, obviously it, it works happened. because other yeah. people have done it too. So Yeah. Yeah. And you can either believe I was really stupid or really greedy, or you can believe... And again, this isn't an excuse. Oh, it happened to me. It's somebody else's fault. I yeah, Obviously, now I know better. But now for the solutions. The only solution, the absolutely only solution, is to not get scammed. And that may sound obvious, but here's what I mean. First of all, if you're ever scammed, here's a phrase you will hear so many times that you want to choke somebody with it. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Thanks. Very helpful. And I'm not going to parse the truth of that statement, but it's a fucking cliche. And let me say that there are way too many nuances to being scammed to make that the feel-good condescending response to someone who's scammed and the solution to not being scammed. I may have thought it was too good to be true, briefly, but it's not something I think I thought much about, except for the fact that I've learned in life there are people with out a lot of money, us, there are people yes. with a lot less money than us, and there are people with a lot more money, like big corporations. And what may seem like a lot of money to me, oh, is that good, too good to be true, may not be a lot of money to Walmart or somebody. Yeah, so you never know. I don't know if it's good be, to be true. And are we supposed to go through life thinking that everything that seems good is too good to be true. I mean, so we should avoid anything that seems good. For instance, when somebody finally wanted to publish my book, it felt too good to be true because, wow, after all this, here's somebody who's finally saying yes. 
So should I thought, well, they're going to be, it's going to be a scam and not a real publisher. Well, it turns out it was a real publisher and now my books are published. So, you know, yeah, you never know. there you go. But has the slogan from everyone from law enforcement to the guy at the bank. But here's the fallout and things I think could be a little better for this. The first thing I did that Thursday night, because this all happened in like 48 hours, which I'm sure is part of their MO. Rush the yes. person, get yeah, them to do yeah. it before they know that check's bad. When I realized I'd been scammed, let's go online and report it. I reported it to the main state attorney general's office, as you're told to do. The FBI, the Better Business Bureau, all online. I've also since reported it to the post office because of the fake label used to mail a fake check, which I would think would be mail fraud. And when I got back from Maryland last week, I also reported it to my local police because one of the things my bank told me was make a police report. Hmm. Since my town doesn't have a police department, that meant I had to shuttle back and forth between the sheriff and the state police because they take turns Ah. policing my town. That was fun, too. And I finally, the state police... A state trooper took a report over the phone, Dan Murray. Very, he was sympathetic and kind, but he didn't really seem to know what to do with the information. Mm. He did give me a report number. And they tell you online and everywhere to report it to all these places. My bank said to report it to the police. But the thing is, well, I do believe all these entities, the Attorney General's Office, the FBI, the Better Business Bureau, are gathering information. I could find little information online as to whether they're investigating or enforcing All their websites tell you what scams to look out for and how to avoid them and what to do if you're scammed. I found scant information on scammers being arrested Mm. or even if investigations were being done. I found one story about a DA investigating, and I use quotes. I don't say air quotes because since you're listening, there are actual quotes around the word investigating. But you do do the air quotes. I do, I do, 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 do. So a DA's office investigating a scam, I think it was in the Chicago area, but it turns out all it was was that somebody had reported it to the DA, and the DA had either, so they weren't really (laughs) investigating, they were just, somebody had reported it, and they just told the public, hey, don't get scammed. (laughs) A guy who was apparently doing a scam similar to the one I was taken in by was arrested, in Texas, but hmm. it turns out that it was because he was stopped for speeding and had 89 driver's licenses in his <laughs> car with his photo but different information on him. <laughs> right. So he wasn't arrested because of some big investigation. He was arrested because he had 89 driver's Jeez. licenses. That You know, it was happenstance. Last December, a bunch of people who were scammed in one involving Western Union wire fraud, and I think this goes to the Nigerian Prince, the Sad Lover, the Lost uh, Grandchild, uh-huh. all those ones, they they got a settlement. But it wasn't from the scammer, it was from Western Union. Uh, because yeah, it was determined by some attorney general somewhere that Western Union knew the scam was going on and didn't do enough to warn people about it. Is Western Union still around? Oh, you can wire money. People wire money. It's very big. They just don't do telegrams. You can even do it from Walmart. Only they use a different one. So that brings us to Walmart. It's pretty obvious that they don't want to have anything to do with any of the post scam fallout. Yeah. They have a fraud alert somewhere on their website about it. Um, But then why would I ever go onto Walmart's website? You know, they don't have anywhere to report it. If you get sucked in by one where you have to wire money, and you wire your own money, which I never would have done. I never would have used my own money for this. <laughs> I know. They give you those companies to report it to. I did email their gift card department to tell them about it just for the record. And here's the exchange. I won't read my letter. It's a little long. And it this was written 
at 6.44 p.m. the night I found out I was scammed. Wow. So, but I told them I was a victim of the scam. I attached photos of the cards, and I said just in case there's time for them to be blocked from use, although I'm sure it's too late. This was more than 24 hours after. Oh, yeah, but they used um, right away. I'm also attaching the receipt, so you'll see I'm for real, and maybe you can alert the store in Augusta, Maine, to be more on the lookout. And I go into the whole how it, I was scammed and how it came about, blah, blah, blah. And then I said, it seems the store could have a place to report it when it happens, as well as maybe make employees more aware that when someone is buying three large gift cards or something like that to ask. Even though it said not to tell the employees they were, quote, being evaluated, unquote, if Brittany had said there was a scam or something and she was just making me aware of that, I would have realized... They can report it. They can tell their employees that right. a scam's going right. on. Right. I even had the letter that with watch me... Watch out if people are buying a bunch of gift cards. You can ask them. I get yeah. into that. Yeah. Okay. I even had the letter with me, and I could have shown it to her, her supervisor. And I said, I'd be happy to talk to Walmart more about how to educate their employees about how to look for... I'm sure they appreciated that. It would avoid having this happen to someone else. You can tell people to be careful, but there are always going to be stupid people like me, and if the company was more proactive, it could be it could attack us at both ends. Now, their response was, Hi, we do apologize that this happened. Unfortunately, no funds were recovered. Duh. We recommend sending a copy of the police report to police at walmart.com which I'm going to do once I get a copy of it. Our global investigations team will work with your local enforcement and relay any information pertaining to your case. I doubt anything will come of that. So you see, that was not really helpful. Because here's the thing. Walmart made $1,350 yeah. off of this. As far as they're concerned, it's a legitimate transaction. I went into their store, bought a bunch of stuff I didn't have money to pay for, and it's not their problem. They're not the ones who asked me to do it. A scammer was. They're making money off yeah. of this scam. And that may sound harsh, but I read online that Walmart has, quote, been dealing with this scam since 2011, unquote. Wow. And yes, it's up to people, I know, not to be stupid and not to get scammed. But I have to say, if Brittany, the very nice young woman at the customer service desk, have been trained to say whenever someone buys several large amount gift cards, since this seems to be hugely widespread, I've been asked to tell you that if you were asked to buy these cards as part of a secret shopper program or by anyone else you don't know, there's a common scam that involves them. I would have said, holy shit, thank you, Brittany. I almost just was friggin' scam. What a moron I am. I wouldn't have said, oh, geez, she knows I'm a secret shopper <laughs> or anything like that. But Walmart, like I said, even though it's been dealing with this since 2011, doesn't think it's worthwhile to have its employees say that. And the reason I know this is not because I've asked them or they've told me, but because they've been dealing with this scam for seven years and don't do that. Yes. And why should they? Like I said, they make thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars off of it. If not more. I'm not saying it's anyone but my fault, but the thing is, warning people to look out for fraud only helps if they're aware of the fraud they're looking out for. I'm aware of all sorts of scams. I wasn't aware of this one. Yes, there are red flags. We've already gone into why I didn't go online and Google it. Yes, people have to be on alert. And maybe you don't get how it happened to me, even though I've been explaining it for a while. Or you think, yeah, that's how it happened to her, but she's uh, obviously a moron and what happened to me. <laughs> and I don't blame Walmart. I, I'm not blaming them for my stupidity, but I do blame them for feeling as though their obligation only goes as far as putting a fraud alert on their website. I know the guy said they would investigate with the police. I can tell you from my end, 
the main state police couldn't give one fucking shit about my police report. He gave me the number, the trooper, if you really want it, I can give you the report number. And I said, thank you. My bank, the security, the woman Teresa I talked to was the security, head of security at my bank, said, I urge you to make police report, even though nothing will happen with it, still make it. You know, and I'm like, yeah, for the record, right? Even if they had a sign at their customer service desk that said, if you've been asked to buy gift cards by someone you don't know, it may be a scam. That would have clicked that thing on my yeah. brain. My bank was very sympathetic, but the bottom line was that I had deposited a bad check and then bought stuff. They froze my account, and since it was the end of the month, I had a ton of automatic payments that were going in, and the domino effect meant several bounce check fees and several creditors not being paid, and my bank, well sympathetic, I still got the fees. All You know, they were nice about it, but they're a business. And basically what happened is I put a bad check in and then bought things. Mm -hmm. Becky was nice enough to lend me some money to go to my conference, um, which I'd already paid for last year. And as an author, I had to go if I want my career to go anywhere. And people did buy my books, and I moderated a panel. Buy but her, now, hey, anyone, buy most yeah, books. Buy my book to help me out. Amazon, yeah. Maureen Mosley. Yeah, I'll do a GoFundMe account. <laughs> To, but that would be pathetic, right? But so now I owe her money too. Yeah. Right. And I'm charging interest. And here's another thing I've lost my innocence. No, I'm just joking. I never have my innocence. But now I think everything's a scam because I don't well, trust myself. I have a savings account, which is kind of a joke because there's hardly any money in it. But I have payments that go in it every month through a totally different national bank. I was able to access it before I went away on my trip. I wanted to transfer money to the debit part of it so I could pay for gas. I didn't transfer it to my bank account <laughs> because then it would have just gone into that black hole. Yeah. But I was easily able to access it on Thursday night before I left for my trip. The day I came back, I wanted to get back into it to see what the balance was. I had about maybe 20 or 30 bucks in there. Um, and it wanted me. It said I was putting in the wrong username or password, and it wanted me to put in my social security number. Now, this is an account that has a bunch of security questions, and I've never been asked to put my social security number in. It was after hours, so I couldn't call the bank. I couldn't make the money transfer I wanted to check my balance. When I called the next day, the guy was a little annoyed that I hadn't wanted to type in my social security number because now he had to do it, and I tried to explain to him. I've never been asked by her bank. Yeah, I know. And that I'm is not, weird. And he kind of blew me off, mm. and I guess it was fine. I gave him my social security number, and it was that bank. But for all I knew, it was a spoof yeah, page. Yeah, Because I've had a spoof page come up with my WordPress I've sites. Had it with, um, I've had it with Amazon right. a couple times. So... I also, I also tried to email the company on the return address of the priority mail envelope, that lumber company in Texas, which I looked online and they seem to be a legitimate company, unless it's a fake website. The email bounced back saying it was a closed group email account, hmm. um, and I didn't have an account with them, so, but it's weird because they have it on their website to contact our company. Um, so I've sent them a snail mail letter with, uh, with copies of... You know, the mailing label. I don't want anything from them. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think they're involved. I just want them to make to make them aware that their company was their company's return address was used in a scam. And I think it was either a customer of their company or somebody who needed a priority mail label. And I think what they did was they took a photo of the priority mail label, photoshopped out the two address. 
oh, and yeah. put my address in, be, but yeah. didn't Photoshop out the return address. Because that's, if you look at it, it's a little fuzzy, like it's a JPEG. Hmm, you know, how you weird. can recognize yeah. a JPEG. Yeah. I bet they don't give a shit when they get the letter no, anyway. No, they're probably just like... Uh, so it was an expensive lesson, and yeah, you have to be on alert, and if it looks too good to be true at all, it probably isn't all that crap. But I don't think that that's a useful takeaway from this. I think the bigger thing is that, first of all, if you're scammed, don't expect anybody to really care. I don't think that scams are being investigated I don't think people are being arrested for them unless they're uh, I don't think caught so. doing something out. It's too hard to catch people. They just move on. Right. All the law enforcement agencies will take the info. All those reports I made to the AG and FBI and stuff, since it's all online, you don't even get a response. I couldn't find anything online that indicates anyone's investigating this type of scam. And that's just to say that... I think the bigger thing than if it feels too good to be true, it probably is more to only pursue things that come that are that come from you. Yeah. To any time you get approached by anyone making a pitch for anything, be suspicious. Be suspicious, and that's a lot of things. Like for instance, Dad was talking about he had sent somebody a proposal. For, to some big shot here in Maine. And I said, he's probably getting a thousand things, and he never responded to me. He's probably getting a thousand emails a day from people wanting him to, you know, buy their wares. Like, people say to me, oh, you should send your book to Stephen King. How many fucking people <laughs> do you think send their fucking books to Stephen King every fucking day? He's only going to look at a book that somebody he, he right. trusts and knows so, right. tells him and, he should look at. Which is not to say anything but... And then, also, there are things that are that I consider scams that are not even that that are kind of, almost kind of legitimate. Like one big thing is editing. There are a lot of online editors. When I was a judge for that the self-published writing contest, which I guess I can say it was Writer's Digest. I don't think there's any reason not. To, I don't do it anymore. I judged. I was a judge for maybe five years. One of the things I noticed is a lot of people in their self-published books acknowledge editors and that. And books are horribly, horribly edited, and somebody took your money for doing that. So it, it's important to be educated on th- anything that involves money where you're putting yourself at risk, you need to be educated. Yeah, anything. I like should have if, known more about gift cards. Even if you're someone painting your house or fixing your right. roof. I, I should mean, have known more about Secret Shopper. I should have been known about, more about gift cards. I should have known before I naively thought that somebody would send me a fucking cashier's check for sixteen fifty and have me do this. And I remember thinking, wow, they trust people and not seeing the irony yeah. of that. Ha, ha, ha. Well, but the bigger thing is not if it seems too good to be true, it probably is, because I think that's actually poor advice because there are some things that may seem too good to be true and they're fucking awesome. But the bigger thing is if you want to be a secret shopper, Go online and find the legitimate secret yeah. shopper companies and figure out how to do it. Even though I thought this was not unsolicited, when I think about it, it really was unsolicited. It just came up through SurveyMonkey, which again is another place I went online to check. They don't care. They try, you know, there you get a lot of lip service online from places about how they're doing this and that for privacy, blah, blah, blah. But it's like Facebook and everything else. 
they are making money. They don't care. Walmart is, yeah. uh, Walmart is making way more money than any fucking mm-hmm. scammer in his fucking trailer in Texas or wherever. And I don't know, maybe there's giant scam call centers in some third world country or first world country. I don't know. But the person who's making the money off of the scam is Walmart. And they they do the bare minimum to mm-hmm. keep you from being scammed. I know it's my fault for being scammed. I know I could have gone on Walmart's website to see what their secret shoppers do, blah, blah. I didn't do any of that stuff. And if I didn't do any of that stuff, there's other people who yes. aren't going to do it. But Walmart doesn't give a shit. Well, I was going to say, I work for Lowe's. A lot of times we get emails about scams that are going on, mainly against the store. I mean, there, there, there's So the scams. store's being scammed. It's yes. Not... And it is a lot of times gift card stuff, American Express gift cards, and people are calling and asking you to buy these gifts, doing stuff over so the phone. So is it people who are, so they're knowingly scamming, using gift cards, knowingly scamming. It's not some poor sap like me in the, in the middle, no, right? they're knowingly doing it. I think it's someone, it might be the other leg of what happened to you is they have these gift card numbers oh, yes. and then they're trying to, I usually don't pay much attention to those because I'm not a cashier. There was another one going around in the loss prevention manager um, Penny came by and, and she said, if anyone calls you, she just said, I'm telling everybody, don't do anything with gift cards over the phone. I don't care what they want. No. That's and I'm interesting. Like, I bet that is the other end. But it's happened before, but it didn't click with me when I was talking to you. And I said, don't worry, because I'd tell them I'm, I don't deal with that anyway, because right. I refuse to Because deal one with thing stuff is, the scammer department. has to do something with those gift cards. And they'll I, talk somebody. It's somebody that, they said it's someone that has knowledge of Lowe's operations because they've talked a cashier through how to do it. Yeah. Like, oh, you just do this, and then you go on the screen and you do this. Which probably isn't hard to find out. And there are probably... You could probably go work at, get a, hired at a Lowe's for a few right. days and learn how to or, do it and, and quit. And they call centers, I'm sure, like yeah. other retailers do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so thousands and thousands of people have been through I mean, when you think of all the people who have worked in retail... Yeah. You know. Well, a week before your thing happened, I I wasn't scammed. I had my bank account ripped off in a different way. I had actually been at your house. We had been taping mm-hmm. our most recent... not it the wasn't most, our most recent one. The one that just came out. The one... The most recent... The, the Yen Soaring one. Yes, Yen Soaring. But in episode 49. Yes. And... Or um, 50, 48. Some, this was episode 50. Is it? Or was the last... No, this is episode 50. The one I'm editing now is 49. Oh. Hey, anyway, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Yeah. So I was driving home from your house. I got a call, and which I didn't answer because I was driving, but I did oh, listen to girl. the voicemail because I was listening to podcasts on my on my Bluetooth. So the voicemail was from my bank. Uh, from my MasterCard company. I have a debit MasterCard saying that there was a suspicious charge on my card and they wanted me to call. And that's happened to me before, but it was when I gave a really large tip at Friendly's. Once. You accidentally tipped them $500. I didn't, no, I didn't accidentally. Uh, but I did give a tip. It was kids eat free Oh yeah. after the Patriots won or something. Hannah's lunch was free, but I had already budgeted in my head I'm going to pay 30 bucks. So I gave her like a, you know, it was like a $15 tip yeah. for a $15 bill or something like that. So that we just wanted to make sure. Anyway, so I'm like, well, I can't call them back now. And it was, my bank was closed because it was Patriot Day. So in Maine and, New, and Massachusetts, all the banks were closed. So I'm like, I can't call my own bank. I got home about four o'clock. I called the mass. They, well, they're open 24 hours anyway. And the Patriots wouldn't have been playing because that's in April. 
No, that this isn't that. Oh, okay. Never mind. I said the only <laughs> Sorry, other time I, was I got one was for that. Okay, yeah. So I'm like, <clears throat> it must be something like that is what I thought. I didn't right, I didn't suspect right, that right. somebody had fucking spent a shitload of money on my on my Isn't it card. funny how we just don't think things No, like, I'm like, oh, they called before cuz they've called yeah. other times when I was traveling, they called to check. Right. So, which I always appreciate, and I'm yes. glad they did it this time. So, and I looked at my bank account, and I noticed not one, but five charges on my account for about $130 each. Oh, holy shit. So I get home, and I called them, and she, the woman I talked to said, okay, we're rejecting this one sale. And I said, well, there's four other ones. And she's like, well, those have already gone through. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? What did they buy? Do you know? Yes, I do. They're all PayPal. Um, They use PayPal as a guest with my debit card number. So I call PayPal. The first time I called them was a fucking annoying as hell conversation because I kept trying to tell the person, look. See, that's what I hate. It wasn't my PayPal account. They used PayPal with my debit card number, but they didn't use my PayPal account. And that person did not understand what I was fucking saying. Oh, I hate that. Part of it was because, I hate to say it, but that English was not their first language. They were using a script. It wasn't You know what about those scripts I really hate when they say, oh, I'm very sorry to hear that. And it's like, just dispense with that crap. The MasterCard woman had told me, she's like, you got to go to your local bank and deal with this because it's your debit card. I'm like, okay. So I go into my bank, talk to this guy. He's like, okay, we'll freeze your account. We'll give you a new debit card and all that shit. And he's like, we can't dispute these charges until they clear. So you're going to have to come back tomorrow if they clear. And then we'll dispute them. And I'm like, ugh. And then I called PayPal. I had to give them the card number, the bad card number, which was already frozen. And they said, we'll dispute these charges here. And he said, do you want to see? Because this guy was that I finally got to talk to knew I was finally was able to explain it to him. He said, I can give you the phone numbers of, of the vendors, maybe. It was like L.A. Tools, some camera place. They were buying stuff, stuff like that. Stuff they can sell. Yes. They could only find one phone number. I called and it was some weird, there was no way to leave a message. And I tried going online, but all I could go by was what the, the little thing on my bank, you know, kind right. of said the name. There was no way to find out those vendors because what I really wanted to do was call the vendors and say, don't fucking send that person that shit. I didn't want the person to get anything. I was right. so fucking pissed. Right. So my bank... I did go back the next day, and I felt bad because the guy that waited on me, there's two young guys with beards that work. <laughs> I look very he thought similar. he was the same guy. Yeah, and he wasn't. And then the woman, the woman, the oh, teller's like, oh, it must have been Andrew she dealt with. That's what they get for having two those stupid beards. slightly chubby bearded yeah, guys yeah. that are kind of cute and young. Yeah, but get rid of the beards, guys. I'm just saying. I know. Okay. At least they weren't bushy. So um, the bank disputed all those, and they said we put provisional, the funds back into your account, and we're not going to charge you any overdraft charges if something happens. So, so far since then, that one charge had already been blocked, so that was okay. Three of the four have PayPal has gotten the money back. One of them still hasn't come back in my account. And my account, I don't know how much money I have in it because those provisional debits they put in there are still there and I'm afraid I'm going to accidentally overdraw it. It's pissing me off. But PayPal, I have to say, the guy did help, but I called right away. Right. From this, I have learned if I buy anything online, I have to use a credit card because the credit card is much easier to get the funds back. It's much easier to block it. They have insurance. When it's a debit credit card, it's not a credit card. It's a debit card. See, and I use my debit cards because I don't have a credit card. And that's Maybe the I problem. should get a credit card, because, but then oh, that's a slippery slope. Yes. I probably couldn't get one. Although, I'll my... tell you one other thing. Our 
our mother had this a similar thing happen. It was five hundred dollars. It was a track phone charge, yeah. and she was totally confused by it. And that's what they count on that you're going to be totally confused. And I'm like, confused. Mom, it's nothing to do with you. Did she? Like, I don't did even she know did, the track did phone. Did she is. dispute it? Yeah, I told her. I said, go into your bank as now and tell them. Right. You have to do it right now. And it was like the same day or the next day. I wonder, her. though, how... Well, I'll tell you about okay. mine. Okay. I think I know how mine happened. I was on Facebook with Hannah, and you know how ads pop up. Mm-hmm. There was an ad for funny t-shirts, and I said, oh, I'll get you one. I got her two. It's not the t-shirt you got me for my birthday, is it? No, that was oh, a different one, okay. and I used a credit card for that. It was, I can't remember the name of the company, and I don't blame them, but I clicked on it through Facebook. We ordered the t-shirts. And that was a Thursday, and that was the following Monday when those charges. Mm. And a friend of mine who has has had this happen to him, he said he's had four different debit cards in the last year. He said it was like 20 minutes after he used his debit card at a fast food place. He got a call from his bank that someone in Paris, France, was trying to use it. At a fast food place? Mm -hmm. He used his debit card. So the packers or whoever, they grab them from however they, I don't know how they work, but they can just get them through the in the internet well what so you don't use debit cards at all i wouldn't use a debit card ever i use a credit because the credit cards are more protected in person like it come around i don't know use a debit card well billy uh, our brother says he doesn't use his debit card except to pay bills online he doesn't use it for anything wow even gas and stuff Maybe so I maybe should he's take burned. cash out. That'd be an easier. Way I know to... people that use only cash. Maybe I, mean, I maybe I should do that because I but... haven't been ripped off like that. This is only cash. But you but you think about because I was going to say one thing is if you see something you like on a Facebook ad to get off Facebook yes, and, and go find the company online yes, and order it directly. Uh, which is what I do now. I'm yeah. not. I've had only a debit card. I use my debit card online like, all the time. For about nine years, I had only a debit card. Yeah. And that's all I use. Yeah, that's what I have. I don't have any credit cards. But then I had the issue with some hotels have an issue where they hold the funds. Right. Yeah, that's never happened to me. Oh, it's only certain hotels I found out. Yes. But in any case, see, what I happened is I was complicit in what happened to me. With you and like mom and everybody else, you're just using your plastic and everybody uses it. But you're not it. thinking and you're taking stuff for granted. And I hate to be so sus, but I want to thank you for being so honest. Oh, thanks. Well, because you know. I know there are people who are going to be like, what a fucking idiot. Yeah. You know what, though? I Well, I'm not going around telling everyone people about it, but here need I am to, telling our listeners. Yeah, but you know, when shit happens, it is hard to tell people that you were duped. Right. But you know what? That, that'll stop other people. And the more well, people know, the less they'll those assholes can do it. Right. The way I look at it is unscrupulous. The way assholes. I look at it is it did I did do it. I made a lot of decisions I shouldn't have made. I'm not saying everybody's out there going to say, oh, thank you for telling me all this. Now. But I feel like if just one per oh, there's no, that's a cliche. But it doesn't do any good for me not to tell anyone about it. I, the one thing I will say is it's easy to judge and you can judge me all you want. The one thing I want to say I wasn't, I, I didn't do it out of greed. I'm not a greedy person. And I don't know why I feel even the need to say this. I'm not, if I were a greedy person, I'd have a lot more money because I would be doing different things for a living. Because when I first said I'd do it, I, I wasn't even thinking I would make money. I said, well, secret shopper, you probably get a gift card or, you know, and who, who even wants a gift card from Walmart? No. Offense. Well, why should I say no offense? Because I'm not sh- ever shopping at Walmart again. But, it's you know, they painful. could do something. They could do more. But, the, yeah, you're and right. The they I've just don't give a shit. It. 
they don't, don't give, give a, a shit, shit because they're making money and their whole point is face it, it they're a place that nickels and dimes everybody who works for yeah. them so are they going to do something that's going to cost them thousands yeah. and thousands and thousands of dollars a year when they're making that money mm-hmm. even if the scammers use the gift card walmart is still just breaking even on it they're not losing anything so because somebody would have used the gift card anyway if i had bought it legitimately yeah or if you had bought it and said, fuck them, I'm going to keep it yeah, for myself. But, you know... I'm not texting I don't, numbers. you know, I I own it. I'm not... I wonder what would have happened, though, if you had... I'm not saying you should have done this, but if you had been a scammer yourself and said, oh, I got a, I got 900 bucks a gift card, or whatever it was. 1,300. Of gift card. I thought it was 502. 500, 400, 400 and 400. That's 1,300. Oh, but if you said, hey, I'm going to use these gift cards, you know, for myself... Or I'm going to put this check in the bank and use the money for myself. Yeah. But the check was fake. I know. But yes, but... It looked real. If you had... You co- I mean, you're opening yourself up for prosecution because if somebody had said, hey, how do I know you didn't just make that check on your computer? Right. Now you went and bought these gift cards. Right. The only thing... I know. And that's the thing. The I mean, victim... Is the victim is the one, if anyone's going to be looked at criminally, it's the victim. And if I were a different kind of person, I don't think white, middle-aged, middle-class, college-educated women are looked at askance very much. And I'm not saying that in a proud way. I'm saying that in... Unless you're a a town clerk or something. Well, she stole a lot of money before people... It's not just her. It happens. But what I'm saying is, if I were a different kind of person people wouldn't have trusted my version of what yes. happened that much. My bank, well, they didn't really lose any money on it, but I did deposit a bad check. And they're taking my word for the fact that I didn't produce that check. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, they've been doing business with me for seven years. And, you know, and I'm not in a socioeconomic or professional way that makes me seem distrustful. I could be a very good con artist <laughs> if I were able to if I were, if I were able to <laughs> if you were, pull it off. Yeah. What I'm saying is that that's part of the problem with scams like this is they put the victim at risk. Yeah. If they I do. were a poor minority person, I think I would have gotten a lot more hassle and shit than I got. Yeah. You know. Anyway, so, should we do our recommendations? Yes. Yeah. Before we get into our very special recommendations today, because yes. we're, we're recommending two things and we're both doing them, but I know yes. that sounds like it's going to be long, but it's not. I want to <laughs> they do like a re- it long. I want to do a revision on my recent Truth and Justice podcast recommendation rating. I had only listened to the, the last season. The host, Bob Ruff, has been doing this for two or more years now. And I was listening to the fifth season, which is about the West Memphis Three. And it's a really good podcast, and they do a great job. And you can listen to my rating on our last episode. But obviously, it was a big learning curve. Yeah. I started listening to the second season because a man named Edward Eights has been released from jail who is falsely convicted and largely because of their set of truth and justice second season what they do is they look into possible wrong convictions in the podcast and 
he stumbled upon Edward Eights when he was doing one on someone else. And the Innocent Project, I think, and stuff eventually took it up. I'm not totally through the second season yet. It's long. So I went back to listen to the second season. Edward Eights has just been released from prison. And at first I thought, well, I rated Truth and Justice on what it is now. But then I thought, it's all available on there online. People are going to go back and listen like I did. So it would only it's only fair to rate it as a body of work. And so I need to... First of all, I misspoke even last time, or not misspoke, but I forgot. Racial and gender obtuseness, from my rating last week, I need to take away a 0.5. Because in the West Memphis, there was an incident where a guy who was black was obviously in bad shape possibly on drugs, but he was covered with mud and blood. He was possibly injured. He was incoherent. And he was in the women's room of the Mr. Bojangles fast food restaurant on the night the kids disappeared. And somebody at the restaurant called the cops, and then the guy wandered away or something. The cops didn't come in. But first of all, Bob and Mike, his assistant, kept referring to the guy as Mr. Bojangles, ah. which I feel is is kind of racially... Mr. Bojangles is kind of a cliche-ish thing. And it made me uncomfortable, even though I'm a white middle-aged woman, that they were referring to him. And also, there were some nuances to that. People were critical of the police for not pursuing it more, coming in, the policewoman who came. And my feeling is, and it sounded to me like I might need an ambulance or something, but it was more that here's this bothersome black guy than... Nowadays, I would have been right there. So I would have taken away a point five for that, but I'll say, too, I need to take away, I won't go through all the things, beating the drum minus one, because I think it's more out of naivety than ego, but he goes on and on about how this podcast is going to find justice for people, and it's in context, but it's overdone. It's a, I'm, a, I'm very hyperbolic myself. So I understand hyperbole, but uh, if somebody's rating me, they can take away a point for me for my hyperbole. He beats the drum. Take away a point. Repetition. Repetitive on certain points over and over. Take away a point for that. And also, I'm not sure where this would come under, but I'm, I think I'll put it under storytelling that he makes these leaps. They're much better in the fifth season at taking things for what they are and not making assumptions. But in the second season, he makes leaps like the police found no evidence of sexual assault. So then all of a sudden he's saying there was no sexual assault. My feeling is just because there's no evidence of a sexual assault, the the guy may not have ejaculated, the guy may not have injured the person and that you can be sexually assaulted and there still may not be evidence of it. So So no evidence of sexual assault and evidence of sexual assault don't sound the same. So I think we're down to a 7.5. I still recommend it. I recommend the fifth season more than the second season, although I like the way in the second season this whole story unspools about this guy being falsely convicted. There's another bit of hyperbole. They talk about a couple cases in this county in Texas, Smith County, where People were just prosecuted, innocent people just prosecuted. But there was one guy who was convicted for a murder he obviously didn't commit. He got out on an Alford plea and has spent 20 years trying to get his conviction overturned. His name was Carrie Max Cook. But Bob keeps calling it the worst case of prosecutorial misconduct ever. I guess some places refer to it as that, but I would like to say, first of all, if you're going to be that hyperbolic, the worst known case... 
Because I guarantee you there have been innocent people convicted. Just say one of the worst. Right. And then you look at things like the Scottsboro Boys and stuff. They're, you know... Which we mentioned in the one you're editing now. Right. The, the guys who were not convicted of murdering Emmett Till. I mean, there are some big, bad cases of prosecutorial misconduct. So anyway, I still recommend it. For our recommendations, we're doing a 1974 made-for-TV movie, Bad Ronald. Yeah. Which... It's funny because the reason we decided to do it is both of us, independent of the other, we're talking about this movie to Isn't other people. Isn't that weird? And like, the same day. The same day. It was day. within the same couple of days because yeah. when you texted me about it, it was like I had just talked about it like the day or two before. This guy I work with who's only like 40, so of course he knew nothing about it. I think a lot of people of our generation, it seems like every person like around our age, with the exception of my boyfriend... um, <sighs> <laughs> you have to have been watching a lot of TV. My boss is my age, and I was talking to him at work, and a woman who's a little younger than me, and neither of them were familiar. But I don't think my boss watched the same kind of TV. I was going to say, if your parents like wouldn't let you watch stuff, they right? Might you not have watch. to be the kind of kids who watch a lot of TV. And whose parents didn't pay Typical attention? Typical <laughs> 70s kids. But the reason I thought of it is because I have what I now believe are squirrels <laughs> and my eaves. And my thought was, sometimes it sounds like there's somebody friggin' walking. I mean, they are making noise. I know I have to get rid of them, but I have no money. So I started thinking, what if it isn't even squirrels? What if there's a person living in the eaves like Bad Ronald? So we're going to apply the NNW, Negative Nelly's Watching. We're going to try. We're going to try. I'll and say the things and then we can I think talk this is one of the first fictional movies we've... Yes. But, oh, I did. No, a Wrinkle in Time. But yeah, I was yeah, comparing okay. it to the But book. number one, bad reenactments doesn't really, doesn't really apply. I will. I guess reenactments, we can talk about the acting. Kim Hunter played the... Well, we should tell what the plot is, first of all. Okay, he just and, turned 18. And Scott Jacoby. Who was from an acting family, his brother Billy. He had younger siblings who were... If you look them up, you will see. Right. They're in everything in the 70s and, and, and 80s. He and his mother live alone in this house. Who's Kim Hunter. In some suburb. It's an old Victorian house. They're obviously a very insular little... Yeah. To some, the father divorced, and the reason Ronald has never heard from the father, I like to think it's because the mother murdered him, but she said she told him in lieu of alimony he had to sever all ties. Yeah, get apparently out of he the... was abusive. Yeah. So, so he's gone. Ronald just has the two of them in this right. large house. She's obviously sick. She's having some stomach cramps or something. And she's she, very protective. She wants him to go to medical school and maybe by the time he's a doctor she'll get some help for her cramps. But he goes <laughs> he goes across the street to where the cool kids are are swimming in the neighbor's pool and, and they that, all make fun of him. Make fun of him cuz he's an odd boy. He has a crush on the girl. Who's a um, bitch to him. They're all very, very mean and abusive to him for no good reason. They're not even polite. Because he's weird. He flees. He runs through this hedge and... Yeah, he's a, walking home and this little girl, bitchy girl, comes up. She's who like turns out she's the sister of, of the, the... Of the mean guy who made fun of him. Well, it's the guy. The guy's her brother. It's the, the girl he has a crush on. That's her brother. Okay, mm-hmm. And that's their younger sister. Right. So anyway... It's a mean he, family. He runs into her, she falls off her bike, she and she bitches at him and tells him he's weird and nobody likes him, and he grabs, grabs her, her and, and pushes her, and she falls and hits her head on a cinder block. 
And instead of just leaving her there... Right. He makes the big mistake of burying her... In a shallow grave. In a shallow grave. (laughs) And then the cop even says that later. And then runs home, tells his mom, she decides the best solution is is for them to close in the bathroom with a toolbox. Yeah, they make like a hidden room and he hides in it. And he hides in it. And then she goes for gallbladder surgery and dies. So he's in the room. Instead of fleeing, I mean, that would make... He's hiding in the room. A short movie. Okay. A family with three daughters moves into the house. Three pretty daughters. teenage daughters. So that's what happens. And And, well, we have to say the whole thing because we're not. And so he's hidden in the room. He spies on the family. He's drilled all these holes in the wall. Things got worse. He has a fantasy world. He, which he has developed before. Yeah, he started developing it. He locks the girl. He kills the neighbor, the nosy neighbor. He locks the youngest girl in the basement of the neighbor's house. He attacks the mean guy who's now the boyfriend of the oldest girl. The youngest girl escapes, gets the cops, and he's arrested. Yes. After he bursts through the wall, uh, yeah, yeah, which is kind of cool, but those walls must be pretty cheap. Well, that no, it was the wall that oh, he just the, put the, the one he built. Yeah, yeah, he just put drywall over yeah. it. Yeah, so. So bad but, reenactments, I would say. No, but there's bad act. Kim Hunter, the mother, she's kind of good, but she's kind of she has that weird English yeah, accent, yeah. and she's a little cliche. Yeah. Well, the other cliche is Mrs. Show, but we're not down. To, are we okay. narrative cliches? Yes, narrative cliches. So bad reenactments, we're not taking away any. Yeah. Yeah, narrative cliches, the neighbor, Mrs. Schumacher, is definitely... Like Gladys Kravitz from Bewitched. Right, she's literally looking in the windows. <laughs> I, I mean, like, she should be arrested. She's looking in, literally she's, looking in the windows. Nosy neighbor is a very bad cliche that I get really Right, and of course, of. the nosy neighbor is always wearing a gardening hat. Yeah, they're and, well, that's how they nose around, though. They're outside gardening And also, gardening I'd say time. Dwayne, the mean brother yeah, is mean to him. They're always mean jock bit. guys. Yeah. Yeah. And there's always mean pretty girls. Mean in these pretty things. girls. So I'm taking one. Yeah, I'm taking one. For narrative cliches. Racial gender obtuseness. Not really. There's a, a, there's one a black, black cop, cop but, but he doesn't do he doesn't jive or anything like that. No, he's just a cop. Yeah, it's nineteen seventy four. Everybody else it. is white, so that may be but the may, gender there really isn't gender. But if you live in an all white neighborhood and everybody's white, then everybody the the only the way the world is. there isn't the father is played by Dabney Coleman, the father of the three girl and family. I, I would say actually, jerk, but. right, and actually, there you know he like tells the wife to get him a beer and stuff, but people did in 1974. Yeah. It, but I would say as far as his attitudes towards his daughters and yeah, stuff, I'd okay. say it's more realistic yeah. and there's not a lot of gender. No. There's no gratuitous girl jokes. No, or, no, like you get all. on the Brady Bunch. Or, Lack of good visuals, nah. Uh, it's, I mean, because it was film and now it's on DVD, the color's a little drained. Yeah. It was filmed in a real house in yeah, a lot of ways. Yeah, it looks like it was in a real house. It, there's nothing really fakey about no, the... I me. have an issue that maybe should go here. No, actually, maybe we'll put it missing pieces. So. Okay. Well, that's next. Okay. Missing pieces. An issue I have is Ronald is in that it's a bathroom they closed off so he can wash, although he stops, but his hair stays exactly the same. Yes! And it's this nice curly mop of hair that doesn't look gross. So I have an issue with that. Yeah. He's covered in paint, though. He's always working on his artwork. I would assume since he's 18. He shaves, so either he wouldn't have the paint on his face, yes. or he'd have stubble. And the hair made me think of what really bugged me, the movie The Way We Were, 
with Robert Redford and Barbara Streisand. I know, but it went through all these decades, and he always had, like, he's allegedly in the Navy or Army or whatever in World War II, and he has his Robert Redford 70s hairdo, and I'm like, what, they couldn't give him a 1940s mm-hmm. Army hairdo? So easy to change someone's I hair. I know. Although a bad wig would have yeah, been that, Yeah, sometimes bad. that can be a problem, too. So I'm, I'm taking away maybe half a point. Yeah, okay. For missing pieces. And that could be lack of visual. I don't know if... Yeah, okay. The other... I want to take away a point for that because I know it's just a movie, but I don't know if this would be a missing pieces or inaccuracies or storytelling. It's one of these, but there's no sense of what the time frame is. We know his mother told him she's going to be gone a week when she was going to get her gallbladder out, out and then she dies in the hospital right so maybe it's a matter of a couple but months then they sell the house they sell the house and the they move, move in right in, in and, and they, they change the, the kitchen, kitchen and stuff so yeah. he's been there a while there's no there's no explanation for how he gets rid of like his if he has garbage like food garbage or even if he we know he, the toilet we know he's like, stealing food because we see him do that and we they mention it and they mention the missing food, food but that's kind of like right it glosses over. over how somebody would be able to so live i'm gonna there. take a point off or okay. whatever i don't know yeah i'm taking half point off for that so um the next one is storytelling or inaccuracies. There isn't really, I mean, anachronisms isn't, I mean, there's... Right, there are some plot... The storytelling, that might be the last yeah, one. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the plot issues I have is when he first kills the girl, you know, the first girl dies, he buries her, which is a mistake. As we were watching it, we're like, why didn't he just... Well, although it, there, there wouldn't, wouldn't be a movie, yes. Although we know, too, that people who kill somebody who aren't planning to panic and do stupid things. Yes. So he does bury her, and his, his mother does berate him. Because his mother has more sense and says, why are you so stupid? You know, if you hadn't buried her, whatever. But then the next person that dies, he doesn't really kill Mrs. Schumacher. He just scares her and she falls backwards. And and he takes her and buries her. It's like, well. Right. And he buries her in the cellar. Yeah. In her cellar or in their cellar. I think it's in their cellar. Which you begin to smell that and stuff. And so. Why didn't he just leave And maybe they had him do that so it wouldn't be a complication for the movie plot. Like there's. But they could have easily had a scene, oh, this lady died of a heart attack. And I don't know, it's just know. weird. So that was weird. Yeah. Anything on storytelling um, besides that? Well, I felt like there were the plot was kind of rushed and didn't hold together, so I'm taking away half a point. Okay. So I'm down to right now. And I'm taking away a half a point, too. I'd say it, freshness, it, it was fresh. It, yeah, for the time the it was. The kid hiding in the house. And we and... remember it. We remembered it very yes, well. vividly. Yeah, vividly. we both did. Yeah. I think I may have seen it more than once, but not more than twice. Like, right. I might have seen and a rerun of it. And if I saw it more than once, it was still in the early 70s. Yes, it, it was. It was years ago. In life. And yeah, vi- I but vividly. But we remember and And there's a lot of people from our generation who will remember yes. it. Repetition? No. No, it was because it was tightly, only seventy minutes. Right, it was tight. Yeah, they didn't moved right along, and they're. They I'm didn't. surprised a movie like that would have been made for TV, but there wasn't cable, and there wasn't you know. Right. And oh. beating the drum. No, 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 no. drum beating whatsoever. <laughs> it was. No, so, they actually didn't. They didn't. There wasn't any moral to be told so or anything like eight. that. that the end an, was right? basically he was he was getting he arrested. arrested. They and, didn't have you know a lot of times on cop shows they'll have the person being arrested and at the end they'll have some kind of pithy comments by the cops or something like that. Nothing like no, that. And I and I'll show. say it. That was it. Gets it. an eight for me. It should have been lower somehow, but it's. 
not. But and two things I really Only liked. Seven and a half. So. Two things I really liked were when he was getting something out of the refrigerator. The family was at home, and the nosy neighbor was looking through the window, <laughs> and their eyes met. And he just walked towards her in this very scary psychopathic <laughs> yeah. way, like just walked steadily towards her, not growling or no, no, he was good. And she fell back and died. And it was a good scene. Um, and he, also when he burst through the fake wall at the end. Scott was, Jacoby was many, many things as a kid and a young yeah. man, and he was a very good actor. Yeah, I thought good. he did I a good job. He's a director and stuff. Yeah, you can look at. If only there were a place. To called look Internet these, Movie Database. To look these where you can up. look him up. Well, I haven't had time. Okay. And so, so our second rating. Yes, we're doing two. Is the book I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which I'm sure everybody's doing right now. Michelle McNamara. And we, I just wanted to do it because I just finished reading it and I, I didn't want to forget. Me neither. After I listened to Dirty John, I got a subscription to the Los Angeles Times and I read the e paper every day. And, you know, all our. Our ideas about California come from TV and movies and stuff, so it's kind of neat just to read the paper and see other things. But also, it's it's the perfect time to get it because the stories about the Golden State Killer, it's a really good newspaper, as I don't have to tell people. You know, I've been a Boston Globe reader since 1973, and it's just as good, if not better in some ways, than the Boston Globe. And I'm really enjoying reading all their coverage, which is... Very detailed and accurate compared to... And also, I can read about the Turpins and... This book, both you and I go... Well, you've been on Twitter for a long time. I've only been going on Twitter for about a year and a half. But it seems to be one of those things that's tweeted a lot. And I also follow Patton Oswalt, who is the husband of the... Or the widower of Michelle McNamara, who was right. the and Michelle McNamara actually, I didn't read her blog. I'm not a blog reader that no. much, but she's on that cheesy show I like to watch, A Crime to Remember. Yes, she's somebody that they interview a lot, so yeah. I know who she was. And I really, I like the book. Do I you? do too. But okay. as we go through the rating, there were some issues I had, but I think they're mostly mostly issues with. And I'm sure all of you know this, but the few of you who don't, I'll say she died before the book could be finished. And so it's patched together in some ways, and they had some other people do it. And I think most of my issues, probably all of my issues, have to do with that. And I just wanted to tell you, uh, my favorite murder had a um, an episode where they were at whatever bookstore with Pat and Oswalt talking about the book. And he said that everything up to the last part, even the ones that said they were from her notes, it was her voice. Right. It was either from her right. emails or and, letters and, and, and stuff. And then the end is the yes. other and people writing. You can writing. tell. You can tell. So, so let's bad reenactments doesn't really... It doesn't apply. Yeah, it doesn't apply. So. But I will say her description of the crimes was very good. It's written in a way that's novel-like, but she isn't one of these people who makes giant assumptions about no, conversations and, I hate and stuff. That. It feels very natural, and so she's good. Um, Narrative cliches? None. No, not none. with her. Racial gender obtuseness? No, no. She tells it like it is. Lack of good visuals? I'll say the issue I have are there are photos, but not enough. Um, there's three of her, which is nice. But there are some of some victims and not of others. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen more 
photos. There's a map, but I would have liked to see more graphics showing things and more, especially since I'm not as familiar with California communities. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that. So I'm going to take away in a point for visuals. Ooh. Okay, you're taking away a point. I'll do half a point. Okay. Missing pieces? This, well, obviously there are missing my pieces. My issue is, and I know that there are chapters they filled in with, like, articles she wrote and stuff, but I feel like there's a lot more she had to say. Yes. And... It wasn't there, and I know she died, but they're still missing pieces. I'm glad they got the book published, but I'm taking away uh, half a point for missing pieces because I believe if she had lived and finished the book, there probably the way she was writing it, there wouldn't have been any. Oh, you're taking half. Yeah. I'm taking a point away. Oh, wow. Um, I felt there was a lot. Mis- it was hard to... Um, I just felt like there was too much... Mi- Although, I am glad that they published the book. I just wonder if... Which, this sounds stupid because I don't know her at all. As an artist, I don't know if I would want something that I hadn't finished to be right. out there. I I'm not saying they shouldn't have... I'm just saying. So, but, but anyways, there is a lot missing, yes. so I'm taking as much as I hate to. Right. Inaccuracies, anachronism. I don't think she was very inaccurate. She freaking yes. had a shit ton of research. She was obsessed with the case. Yes. It wasn't like, oh, this is my, you know, 53rd book I'm writing on a case. It right. was, she, and this was there her there were life. no anachronisms. You no. know, there weren't people she using described a cell the times. No, should no, have. Obviously. <laughs> Storytelling, I'm going to not take anything off, even though well, I took a point for missing pieces. She, she's a awesome writer and awesome storyteller. Mm, yes. And But I'm taking off half a point because I was not at all a fan of the end part that the two guys wrote. One's a longtime quote-unquote investigative journalist, and mm. one was a data guy who helped her with a lot of data. And they said they didn't try to replicate her writing, which is fine, it's good, but it was their writing, and it was part of the book, and I found the writing not good. It was hard to adjust to after reading her part. And they had a little bit of cliche stuff. They had a little bit of obtuseness stuff and everything, but I'm not taking it away for that. I'm just going to take half a point away for the storytelling because of that. I'm going to take a half a point away on freshness because of the same thing. I thought some of their writing was very stiff. Again, like you said, cliche. So it's probably the same thing, but that's why I was... That's where I took it off for that. And I don't know what you think about freshness, but... Well, I thought I it was mean, a her fresh story. Was, yeah. To me, freshness means, have we heard this all before, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'd heard podcasts about the Golden State yes. Killer and Earzons and whatever. But... Iran. Um, Iran. But it's not like people have written a million books about this. That's and I, true. So, and she, you know, covered a lot of ground. She did. Repetition? No. No, and even though the style wasn't linear, I liked the style. Again, yes. I went back and forth, but she managed to do it in a way that was easy to follow, and she didn't repeat herself. No, she didn't. On a lot of stuff. Although people keep mentioning that she said that he had a small penis a lot. I didn't notice she her. Didn't, no, it, you know, in case, case file, did. like the five episode, <laughs> now, tiny penis, yes. tiny penis, tiny penis. And um, his Australian accent. Yes. That's what I always remember. Beating the drum. The new authors. Yeah. They they had a thing about how, unfortunately, quote, 
the Ancestry.com, those things won't yes. let police use their databases. And I thought that was unnecessary. It's a very complicated yes, topic. And it's, I always feel like throwaways like that take a complicated topic and use it to beat a drum. And that's what they were doing. And I don't want, she was, her part of she it. She had no drum beating at all. She had no, she was obviously interested in this case. She obviously wasn't a fan of the person that did it, but she also wasn't beating she a drum like... She was telling the story. Ooh, it's brutal crime. Right, you know, which right. I'm not saying they're not. It's but, just... it's just. But she told the story yeah. without a lot of... She told the story of, without a lot of... Yes, which was good. And, and, and I it's heard, hard for... I think it's hard for a lot of true crime authors to write a story that refrains from right. putting their... Little, their own feelings. Yeah, and I and, think in the fact, there are authors, part of it they kind of did. There are authors I, I've i stopped reading yes. because they're constant harping on, you know, how bad the person was, how brutal the crimes were, you know, that there's no death penalty. Which, to me, that's a given. I mean, yes. if, if it's tell, a... If you tell the story well enough, let the reader decide how they feel about yeah. it. And also, I had heard on another podcast there were some people talking about her talking about her mother stuff and everything. So before I read the book, I'm like, oh my God, this whole book is about her relationship with her mother. And I think there, there was, what, like two pages about it or something? That. And that didn't bother me. The she brought herself stuff, into it a little bit, but that I didn't have a problem with that. It didn't bother me at all. It didn't bother me at all because she was so obsessed with the case and it was part of her story. It was part of her, and, her life. And one interesting thing is, because I read it after the arrest was yes. made, they made, went to great pains to not give her any credit at all when they arrested this I guy. Know. And she brought it, and I'm not saying cops didn't solve it, cops weren't working on it, and she brought it back into public, and they said not nobody she mentioned in the book was the person. But reading the book, I realized she didn't mention a lot of people, and there are a lot of instances and things she mentioned that looking, that I would love to know if... They were true. I know. About There's a lot of things I'd love to know. Thing. But and I, I would love to see somebody. We do didn't a, say anything about beating the drum oh, before we. Finished. Oh yes, I did. I said uh, about the DNA. Uh, yes, but are you taking a point off or not? Oh uh, yes, I am. Okay. Or half a point because I'm taking half a point off Me because too, she didn't it wasn't do it. They did it. Okay, so you have ten minus. You've got seven. Gee, hard to believe Bad Ronald got a better rating than. And I got. I'll be gone in the dark. I, I gave it an eight and a half. So. Okay. Well, I really liked it. But I liked it, and I will recommend it. But I would have liked it a lot more if she had lived and been able to finish it. And I read it, I read it, I finished it right before. It was kind of cool. I had listened to the um, case file. A lot of it was familiar, but her writing was so much better. And then to listen to that um, My Favorite Murder, there's also a podcast that goes along with the book, a three-part that I I haven't listened to. Yeah, I might listen to that podcast the my favorite murder one came out before they caught him too so it was kind of cool because i was just listening to it the other day and thinking she did think that he might have been in the military and i think this guy yeah well so did the cops yeah, yeah. he, did, he was had in been the a Navy. cop which yes. he had been he had been a cop in a couple places but I'd like and he to had know lived what... near vasalia when the vasalia yes. ransackings yes. were going on and he had lived in all there's a lot of things i mean cause i want to know i know time. and we want to know after reading it it's like you want to know what and one thing i want to say too one of the missing pieces is left out of the list of victims was Claude Snelling the journalism professor whose daughter was being attacked this would have been the first guy he killed I think 
his daughter was being attacked on the patio and he came out to stop him. The attacker, this was when he was shifting from ransacking into raping, shot the guy with a gun he had stolen from somebody's house a few months before. And I don't think much of that was mentioned in the book. And I don't think he was included, that man was included as somebody he killed. Maybe they're... Because they're not And sure I don't know. No, they, the L.A. stuff I've been reading in the L.A. Wow. Times is, and I think she probably would have included it. And I can't remember how much about that is in the book, but it's not a lot if there's anything. You you just wish she would have lived, know. you know. Well, it's funny because I texted you when he was caught that I said it must be DNA. It must have been DNA because... Yeah. They wouldn't say they had him for sure. Right, and it wasn't Because they one thought of... so many times that they had people, and it wasn't. Right, right. It, and it was, but it was partly the ancestry Well, it was, shit, it, was was, it was a crowdsourced yes. DNA site that's like a free DNA. It's like Wikipedia for DNA. Oh, interesting. Where people submit their DNA in case somebody's looking, somebody's family's looking <laughs> Or our family. Oh, I right. see. So, like, if you're an adopted person or right. something. Yeah, I right. get it. Or you're looking for family members or generations. Or of... you just want some of your family members to be arrested for shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what? I bet. I bet that. I'm oversimplifying it. But yeah. I, no, I understand. But that's what it was. And, you know, there are privacy there issues. There are. There are issues. too late for us to get into. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about okay. it anyway. But anyway, you can find us online at crimeandstuffonline.com. Yeah. Yes, we're I, on Twitter and Facebook. Facebook. And I know these are coming out slowly. Once my book is done, we'll they'll be back every two. We'll weeks. try to do it every two weeks. I've yeah. got some things in the pipeline. If you want to help me pay my bills, buy some of my books. Yes, just, buy her books. Just look for more. We also do have a Patreon, but that's not to pay our bills. That's just a whole. Oh yeah, and I want to thank our our, our, our um, newest Patreon donor, Karen Parker. Thank you, Karen. Of Texas, yay! So we take back everything we've ever said about Texas. No, I never said anything no, bad about Texas. Bad They're about one Texas. of our best listeners. And so until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah. On a 1973 made-for-TV movie. I still say it's 74. Why do you think it's 73? Because when I looked it up, it said 1973. Do you want to look it up? I was scammed, so I can never be right about anything again. I'm never, ever going to... I have 1974. Okay, let me look. That's what it said on IMBD, too. Okay. Not that I don't believe you. But I was scammed. See, I'm getting bad rattled 1973. Uh I don't even know what this is, though. Where I'm seeing it. (laughs) Yeah. Why did you check your sources?